Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, good morning. It is Wednesday, the 10th of January. Summer Brekkie here on SEN, and we are here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's Lawyers. Good morning to everyone listening on the SEN 1170 here in Sydney as we fill in the chairs for Bossy and Brandy. And for the rest of the week, we welcome those of you listening on SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane. And of course, good morning to everyone else across the SEN network and on the app. Pick up the phone and speak with us on the Suncorp open line 1300 01 1170 and get your home storm season ready with Suncorp. That number again to call us 1300 01 1170. Today's guests, before I get to that, it's Trent Copeland speaking with you now, and it is Michael Carianis. Good oh, morning. Good morning, Copes. Oh, round of applause. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, it's a warm welcome. House favourite. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see <laughs> what the text line says later. But, um, yeah, good to be here. Plenty of news around, so which is always good. There is. Well, speaking of the text line, Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. You are... You ha- you have to be one of the favourites because the first text that flew in as we sat in the chair, woohoo, mix back. Glenn from the Rocks. Yeah, that ratio, that ratio will change throughout, <laughs> throughout the go. morning. Don't worry about yeah, that. We start getting into opinion and then <laughs> people will tell us what they really think. Uh, today's guest, Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith, will come in and chat to us. They've got a big double header coming up uh, with the Kings and the Flames. SEN tennis expert Brett Phillips. Racing Queensland's Chris Nelson and Mitch Abaya from Sportsbet. There's a lot of news around the place at the moment. Uh, if you can't listen live, by the way, catch up on the podcast. Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy is what you need to search on all of your favourite podcast platforms. Let's start with the cricket. We've been talking in speculative terms for what feels like two years yeah. on who's going to replace David Warner at the top of the order, Mick. We got a bit of word yesterday that it looks like it's going to be Renshaw in squad to cover all positions but not play. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be Cameron Green that replaces David Warner, but he's going to be batting at number four. And it's Steve Smith at the top of the order. Talk to us. Well, when we had um, the opener lottery over the last couple of months, you know, it started what with Marnus going up, then Travis Head. Then Mitchell Marsh, and and the player that wasn't spoken about in that current batting order was Steve Smith. And then towards the back end of of the Sydney test, it emerged that, yeah, Steve Smith has an interest of opening. That changed the whole dynamic of um, how how that batting uh, lineup would look because I don't think, like, I'm glad they're not opening with Cam Green. I I don't think that would have been the best option. And if, 
Steve Smith puts his hand up to say, I want to do this. Well, who are we to doubt that he can do it, um, yeah. given what he's able to achieve? I, it is rare for a player at the back end of his career to go up the order. Um, so I find that strange. But you know him better than most, Copes. Is it a, a way for him to test himself, rejuvenate himself, give him that, that fight, I, I guess that challenge to, to extend his career potentially? Yeah, look, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind, knowing Steve Smith, the person, is he's always been, even back to the days where he was a kid, debuting for New South Wales, there's a ripper photo, actually, of he and Usman Kawaja uh, in the back page of the Daily Telly uh, in 2008. Mm. Uh, ben Horn and Robert Craddock doing a story there on when they last opened the batting together, uh, and it was in junior cricket. But he has always searched for something that he can improve. And it go, that goes as far as when he was a captain, I'm looking every over at what field change can I make to get ahead of the game. Uh, in this case, I don't think he needs it. Yeah, I don't think he's searching for something to reinvigorate. And I certainly, my opinion, don't think he needs to. But do I expect him to dominate at the top of the order? Yes, I do. Mm. And I think anyone in that caliber of player, Bancroft, Marcus Harris included, against the West Indies, will have done well. But the test comes when we play New Zealand away in a month's time. And then next summer, India at home. And then the Ashes the following season. So that's where the, I guess the question lies on, is this a long-term solution? I think the answer on getting Cameron Green, the biggest fact of all of this, Cameron Green back into the Australian test team is the answer that I think is the right one. Mm. Uh, let's take a listen, though, to Marnus speaking about uh, Steve Smith yesterday. I've got no doubt that he'll do a good job. He's excited for a new challenge. Um, if that motivates him and, and that gets um, the cricket world Stephen Smith for another two years or three years, I think that's a massive win. That's not a kick at all on Shield cricket. Cameron Green's also averaging 50-plus in Shield cricket. There's not many guys doing that. So I don't think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a tough comparison to make. He's got a sound technique, got a great defence, um, and I think that's the versatility that you need at, at number four. Interesting. Are you surprised by any of that? Not really. Not really. But I think Cam Bancroft cards have been marked. Yeah, maybe it has. I've seen a lot of talk in the last few days saying that it's going to be a slap in the face to the Sheffield Shield. How can we do this to Cameron Bancroft? He's been made a scapegoat. Look, think of that what you will. Mm. Cameron Green averages 50 plus in the Sheffield Shield. So whilst he hasn't done it opening. Yeah. He's batted at four, he's batted at three, four WA for some time now, and he's been a class above. And that's why he played for Australia in the first place. So don't say to me that Cameron Bancroft is being disrespected by not being picked. That I, just doesn't fly. I'm a lot more comfortable now that Cam Green's going to bat in the middle order. Yeah. With the way that with the way that it's all played out with Steve Smith opening. Um because as as I said before, if Steve Smith puts his hand up to open, well why would you not allow that or give it to, to dabble in because they wanted to get Cam Green. And I think if Cam Green was going to open, I would have been like, well, I'm a little bit unsure of what that means for, for Cam Bancroft. Um, Marcus Harris just hasn't scored any runs, of, enough runs to, to push his case. And uh, Matt Renshaw, as you said, is in the test squad, will be in the test squad and has the flexibility to bat anywhere in the order in case things go awry. But um, yeah, I think it's a long road back now for, for Cam Bancroft. But... Who knows how long Usman Khawaja is going to bat for? Who knows how long Steve Smith yeah, going to bat for? This is not a, a long-term he-will-never-play-again mm. thing. And let's get one thing straight, right? 
scoring runs or taking wickets in the Sheffield Shield does not owe you a position for Australia. It's your job. You should be scoring runs at domestic level to push your case. Yeah. Cameron Bancroft, Matt Renshaw, every one of these guys, Marcus Harris, need to just keep doing it because Usman Khawaja is the perfect example. When a spot does come up and your name is top of the list, you just got to be ready to go. So uh, Usman Khawaja is what, 37? Mm. There's no way he's going to play till he's Tom Brady age. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like just get ready. Be how, ready. How tough uh, – you went through it too, right? Y- yep. You were taking wickets after wickets and then probably won't get in the chances in the Australian side that you would have liked to have, uh, have got. How difficult is it to stay motivated or, or what is the, the conversation like with, with the higher-ups um, to try and, and, and keep you on course? Yeah, it's hard, but I think once you flip your mindset, I was also nowhere near the caliber of player that, yeah, I mean, these guys that are playing right now yeah. are the ones that replace me. Yeah. So Hazelwood, Stark, Pattinson and Cummins, mm. um, you know, so you can hardly begrudge yeah. selectors and, and the team for going that way. And I was certainly nowhere near the caliber of player that they are. Um, but finding the enjoyment out of playing well, winning comps and, you know, doing well, as a team at domestic level is honestly what drives success and having yourself ready to go at the next level. And Cameron Bancroft, let me be clear on this. I'm not saying that he is not the right person, shouldn't do it. I think he's done a huge body of work. Marcus Harris has done the same over in county cricket. Matt Renshaw's done very well batting in different positions. And there's a few others that I think can be in the mix in the coming years as well. But in this moment, if Steve Smith wants to open and thinks that that will be a great result for Australia, the coaching staff and the selectors do too. I mean, Cameron Green is the perfect man to come in mm. in the middle order. And the other thing that comes with this is Mitch Marsh, whilst he has played every game since he returned in the Ashes, he's a day-by-day prospect in terms of his body. And I'm touching wood and hoping that, my God, I'm enjoying that guy You know, watching him play. Mm. But if he ever has to miss a game, Cameron Green already being a fixture in the team, they can play that off each other and make sure that we always have a healthy all-rounder Yeah, because it's so crucial to our team makeup. Anyway, we've got so much to talk about with cricket. Let's let's touch on that in a little while. But tell us your thoughts on the Suncorp open line, one 1170 Have Australia got it right? Steve Smith at the top of the order. I, let's Let's park that for the moment. Let's talk Big Bash. Last night, oh, last night was one of those games where the Hobart Hurricanes have been there or thereabouts in terms of their success, but particularly when you look at their list, Mick, I don't know how much Big Bash you've been watching, but as far as what they have on paper, incredible numbers. Uh, you know, their capacity is huge, but 165 for seven, and they were gone from the start. Mm. They lost their wickets in the power play, and Jamie Overton took two wickets in in one over. Ben McDermott was the saviour, 95 not out from 61 balls, uh, but the Adelaide strikers far too good and 168 for five. They did it in the 19th over, but honestly, it, it could have been done in 16 overs. They look like they were cruising and Alex Carey, the big dogs are back this week, uh, the Aussies, and, and he looked really good. And, and in my opinion, should be in the frame to replace David Warner at the top of the order in the ODI list, regardless of whether he's wicketkeeping or not. Well, there hasn't been a lot of debate around that, has there? Who, who do you see as slotting in to, towards the top there? You, 
aside from who, who are the other potentials to replace David Warner in, in the 50 over game? Well, we just won a World Cup and it was a really good formula they had. Travis Head is a fixture. He will stay there. Um, Mitch Marsh did it a little bit, but I think he's our long-term number three in white ball cricket. I think it's Matt Short and he deserves it. On the back, of he played in the game last night, 45 off 32 balls. I think he has got the body of work, player of the tournament in the BBL, regularly just putting up numbers and now doing really well around the world in the IPLs, things like that. Uh, so I think he's the name at the top of the queue. Um, but there's a few others that are in the mix. And Alex Carey, I think, falls into that Matthew Wade character mm. uh, sort of category where his best in white ball cricket is phenomenal. And if he's being overlooked for Josh Inglis as the wicketkeeper, uh, I wonder if he is still being considered at the top of the order, but he should absolutely be in the frame. And the reports yesterday looks like Lance Morris will, will get a game in yeah. in, in um, the the fifty over um, setup, which would be interesting. I haven't seen a lot of him. You would have seen a, a fair bit of him. What can we expect to see if he if he takes on uh, if if he makes his uh, ODI debut? Speaking from experience, when I had a bat in my hand at the other <laughs> end, you can expect to see some blokes jumping around because yeah. it is not fun facing him. He's such a quietly spoken guy. You know, he's, he's very smiley and happy, uh, but my word, does he fire him down? One, like we're talking 150 plus, definitely not the quickest I faced, but he's he's in that category where mm. it's genuine adrenaline running and fear. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. It's not nice facing that. Uh, my, my fastest ever was, I was talking about this the other day because I asked Ricky Ponting and, and Simon Kadich in the com box, you know, what were their, you know, fastest memories. Um, Mine was a weak stretch where I wish I could never have played cricket okay. before. Uh, it was a away game at the Adelaide Oval facing Sean Tate yeah. with a reverse swinging ball. There was genuinely, I faced about eight balls, didn't last long, uh, as I didn't very often with the bat. Um, there was about seven or eight balls that I didn't see. Genuinely yeah. did not. Not that I, oh, that was a good ball. No, didn't see it. Was that a, what, one day or a T20 Sheffield or a Shield game? Match. Yeah. Yeah, and reverse swing. And then we go to the Wacker and play against Mitchell Johnson. Mm. So that was not a nice week. Um, certainly wasn't putting my hand up to be a night watcher or anything like that. Uh, but anyway, that's an interesting one as well. Who's going to replace Davey Warner at, at the top of the order? Speaking of Warner, what about this? Yeah. Friday. It's a super smash, uh, the Sydney smash uh, at the SCG. Thunder versus the Sixers. Steve Smith, Davey Warner on deck, which is going to be unreal. But Davey Warner's brother's getting married. Mm. Allianz Stadium is likely to be used as a helipad for David Warner on Friday afternoon as he attempts to dash from his brother brother's wedding in the Hunter to make it in time to play for the Thunder in the Big Bash at the SCG. So, how does it work in in, in cricket, right? Because there's there's a chance he doesn't make it, right? Not as in yeah. he, he's late. We hope yeah. he makes it. But in, in terms of, of, of running, you're talking safety reasons. Let's hope the the heli, yeah, the helipad's like there. In the NRL, you got to name your team an hour before kickoff. Yeah. All right. Team list in. What's the parameters here for for cricket? Will mm. they hold a spot for? Can they hold a spot just in case? Or what, what, how does it work? You do need to name your team. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a team list that changes hands at the toss. Yeah. Or the bat flip, as they call mm. it in the BBL. So I. The the answer is they'll have to be making a call, but I, I'm assuming that they're going to be having this happening, you know, well in advance of that. They'll know he's at least in transit. Yeah. 
Uh, they'll, it, maybe this is the stuff that happens in fourth grade shires where you likely, you win the toss and you choose to bowl because you know you're opening batters <laughs> at a wedding. He's had a few beers and he's coming late. Uh, Could you imagine? Uh, seriously. Uh, uh, Davey's, uh, I mean, maybe he will have a few beers before he gets to the ground. Yeah, uh, no. e- either way, great to see all the legends uh, in the Aussie team fronting up in the Big Bash. Breakfast is powered by Kubota for over 40 years of being making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We're here for Brighton's lawyers unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Brighton's lawyers. Great news this morning, Mick. We've got lots coming through on the Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. And not all hosing us, which is great. <laughs> no, <laughs> There's not, some productivity not yet, there. Not yet. This is from Matt. Copes, all this opener talk is hiding the fact that Josh Inglis is such a better package than Alex Kerr in all formats. What do you think about him in the test arena? Yeah, I've seen him play a lot of Sheffield Shield cricket um, for WA over the years, and I think he's very much the product that we all think he can be. Mm. And certainly where this text is going, Matt, that he is the all-around package. He is a very good keeper. Uh, He's got the game and the foundation to be a good test player. I think Alex Carey is and has earned the spot and his keeping in particular has been outstanding, mm. including in the subcontinent where it's very difficult, in England where it can be difficult after the bat with swing. He's been really clinical up to the stumps. Um, and honestly, I think his batting is very, very good at the level as well. Uh, whilst we probably haven't seen the best of it, uh, he looked somewhat back to his best at the MCG at Boxing Day. Um yeah, so I think we're blessed, really, to have someone of the calibre of English that is pushing Alex Carey to be his best self uh, and there, if anything, was to happen. How much pressure was Carey under in the back end of the series? Uh, I think probably more public pressure than there was internal pressure and reality um, of that selection pressure. But we've seen in recent times, had you asked me before the World Cup, was there a chance that English mm. would replace him mid, mid-series mid and go on and play arguably one of the most important batting innings of the entire tournament in the semi-final, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Not because Inglis isn't good. I think he's an incredible player. But you, you throw in Josh Philippi and, and numerous others uh, around the place, and, and we've got a lot of keeping talent. It's great. Another question around Alex Carey from Daniel. It won't happen, but what if Alex Carey opens for test matches whenever the Aussies bat first? It's a different way of thinking from Daniel. Yeah, look, I don't think it will happen given the amount of talk about Marnus, Cameron Green and Steve Smith as potential options opening the batting. Uh, I think Kerry would be probably seventh on the list and that's where he bats. <laughs> yeah, But uh, he's also you know, very capable. Um, but I think he needs to be that, uh, as we've seen so often from Alex Kerry in white ball cricket, the chameleon sort of guy batting at seven that he's very good at batting with the tail. He understands run chases very well. Um, if it's needing to absorb pressure or lift the gear, he's very good at doing that. I think it's going it, to – the middle order is really interesting now in, in this test side when you go from head, green, marsh, carry. So carry's role is going to come mm. even more in, important for the long-term look of, of that batting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where there's no perfect scenario, but I think the, the great thing that – Australia have found in Travis Head and Mitch Marsh playing with such freedom is that it takes the pressure off everyone else. Mm. You know, your scoring rate, you don't have to think about it. If you're struggling, Steve Smith batted 
something like 100 balls before he hit a boundary yeah. in Melbourne. But he was batting with Mitch Marsh, so the tempo of the game was fine. So I think it, that's the other thing that people should remember when talking about Mitch Marsh and Travis Head's numbers. They might get out playing what most people call rash shots every now and then, but the stuff they bring to the tempo of the team without going full basball mm. is, is so good. So good. From the green, keeping Rooster Morning, Michael and Trent. Moving Smith from four to opener, who has scored two fifties in 13 innings, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, Smith has been great for Australia, but he isn't the Smith of 2019. What he, do you think about that? Well, he's, he's not going to be the Smith of 2019, is he? <laughs> I don't think that's possible. That's not, yeah, it's, it, it's impossible, but. Yeah, if, I, I just, my gut feel is he is potentially the greatest player that we've produced since Don Bradman. Mm. And if he thinks that he's capable of doing it, my own personal opinion is that his technique is definitely capable of doing yep. it. And largely, you know, we, I saw yesterday and I was trying to figure out exactly where I saw it, but maybe in the papers and it was definitely on social media. When Smith was batting at three during his test career, when he's come in and batted inside the first two overs of an innings of a test match, he averages over 100. Yeah, wow. So we won't see Smith of 2019, and we probably won't see him average 100. <laughs> probably. But, but <laughs> yeah. is that in the realms of possibility? I mean... Was he reluctant to bat at three? No. No? He, he wants he, to bat whenever he can, as much as he can. And we got a text come in yesterday about he and Marnus when they get out, uh, almost looking like a petulant oh, child. Yeah, it is a, it's getting a little bit annoying. It is, it, you know, as a viewer, you watch it, it's mm. annoying. But just letting you in on the on the mindset, it's like those kids in the backyard, they get out and they're like, no, <laughs> yeah. one more, I want to keep batting. Yeah. You know, that's genuinely the mindset. And and even when Smith playing misses, it, it's not, well, sometimes he nods and says, well, bold, but yeah. he, it's more just like how uh, that had to have done something off the pitch. Yeah. Unbelievable for yeah. me to miss that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's almost that champion mindset. So uh, there's plenty to talk about. Thank you for your texts. Keep them flying in. And of course, on the Suncorp open line, one 1170 Tell us who you would have picked. Well, tell us what you think about Cameron Bancroft uh, and Marcus Harris potentially being left out of the equation when that team gets named at 11 a.m. Sydney time today. Yes, thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee, better living every day. And we're powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We'll get to a couple of NRL stories in a moment, but if you're only just waking up, here are the headlines that we've been discussing. The Aussie team for the first test against the West Indies will be named later this morning, and it's reported that Steve Smith is going to replace David Warner at the top of the order, with Cameron Green coming into the team as the replacement in the 11, and he's likely to bat at number four. A big win for the Adelaide Strikers over the Hobart Hurricanes in the Big Bash last night, which means that they're likely heading for a top four place. The Allianz Stadium is expected to turn into a helipad. This is unbelievable news <laughs> for David Warner on Friday afternoon as he makes a mad dash from his brother's wedding in the Hunter Valley to the SCG for the Thunders clash against the Sixers, which is, I believe, selling incredibly well as far as ticket sales. Did you get any similar treatment when you were playing? No, no. There's a clear pecking order when it comes to Allianz. Well, not even helicopters. <laughs> What about Allianz Stadium saying, no worries. Yeah, use our field that we use for all the biggest matches uh, in the world. 
come, good. Just come and land. Yeah, no worries. Uh, this sport update was all thanks to Height for Hire. Safely taking you to new heights. Looking for height? Hire it right. Visit heightforhire.com.au. Now, let's get into the NRL. We've got the guru here with his ear to the ground with every bit of news possible. So, Mick, let's start with Tom Flegler because he chatted for the first time yesterday in Dolphins Colours uh, after joining the club from the Broncos. His resume sort of speaks for itself. He's uh, probably the greatest coach in the game. And, um, you know, to be able to come here and get a year under him and, and learn off him for a year was, um, yeah, it would just be outstanding for me. And um, hopefully I can learn a few things off him and, um, you know, take them into the coming years. What's been some of the, me- the message he gave you when he recruited you? Is there anything that stands out to you, like when you spoke to him, about, you know, what he wanted from you and what, what appealed to you? Um, not really. Wayne, he's, he's pretty blunt. He just said, Tom, we want you. So um, <laughs> we had a few little chats, but uh, we only spoke literally twice. And, um, yeah, he... With a resume like that, like we've just touched on, um, he doesn't really need to say too much to get people out of the line. Um, origins, won premierships, everything like that. It's, um, yeah. So he, him, and uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, in reference to Wayne Bennett, mm. uh, and I think that actually came through pretty loud and yeah. clear. <laughs> two chats. Hey, Tom, we want you. <laughs> That's Seriously, so good. Uh, That's there was so another good. bit of gold in in the grabs from this uh, interview as well, and it was in reference to the Broncos. I know you're obviously here now, but Broncos are going to be having to try and find a way to replace you after what you did last season. Do you sort of see a natural successor to your old jersey in that squad there? Yes, yeah, I don't really care. It's not really my problem, to be honest. <laughs> I don't really care what happens there. <laughs> that is some real talk for you. I love good. hearing that. Good, good. We know it's spicy between the Dolphins and and the Broncos already, and this just adds to it considering they've signed two of Brisbane's best players in, in Farnworth and Flagner, who were outstanding for the Broncos last year. They they switch they switch clubs and, and head to the the crosstown rivals. And why should he care? Yeah, oh, and it's it a did, fair it, point. he's not being disrespectful. He, he's just saying it's not my problem. Yeah, that's not, I, I don't really care what goes on there. I'm a Dolphin now. Um, essentially, yep. I can't wait to play him. That's awesome, and that adds to it. And that's what league's all about—that theatre around uh, those rivalries. And um, you, you know that when the Dolphins play the Broncos, what do you think everyone's going to be talking about? Huss v. Flegler. How good? Yeah, exactly right. What do you think of the potential success of Tom Flegler at the Dolphins? Because their roster last year and their success in patches, particularly the first round, I, I remember vividly thinking, <laughs> you know, the lead up and what could it possibly be in the first round? It yeah. was likely to be a 40 nil against the Chooks. Uh, but that's what you're hoping for. Th- that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> undoubtedly. I'm not hiding behind that, uh, but it was a real success story. Yeah. And, and the, the culture and the fans and, you know, Hamiso, the way he celebrated his tries in origin, like this was almost cult like yeah. the following. Could they, Go to new heights on the back of Tom Flegler. I think their roster had a cap last season, okay. um, but this year doesn't. You, you look at the players they signed in Farmworth and Flegler, and Jake Avarello was outstanding for the back end for, for the mm. Bulldogs. And what they've bought with Hammersell at fullback already, they've got some speed. You know, Farnworth, Avarello, um, Hammersell, Asako was outstanding last mm. season. And then what the, the arrival of Flegler does, it starts to turn over that aging forward pack. They had to go buy experience in, in the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi, but... You know, they're on their way out. Yep. Flegler, Tom Gilbert back from, from injury, who had such a strong start to the season last year. Connolly Lemu Lemu uh, produced football. I didn't think he was capable he of. It was unreal. And Jeremy Marshall King is the most improved player in the NRL in the past 24 months. Mm. 
Like I, I thought he was belly at first grade, and now he's gone into. You're talking if you're ranking hookers, he's towards that top rather than the bottom yeah. now of hookers. So I like their squad. I have question marks around their halves still. Sean O'Sullivan, Young Katoa, Milford still lurking around. It's just not a championship winning halves pairing for mine, and I think that's probably where they'll struggle a little bit. But they'll be in that top eight cluster. I don't think they make the eight, but they'll be improvers. Now, I'm going to handball this one to you and to the listeners out there. You'll know what's happening here, but the West Tigers. Yes. I don't like piling on, but we have to talk about it. Oh, well, it's it's big news out of the West Tigers, and, and it follows a theme that's happened over the last couple of weeks in terms of the board gone, or most of the board gone, including Chairman Lee Hadjipentelis, the chief exec, long-term chief executive, Justin Pascoe, gone, and a total revamp of, of the off-field structure. And that has continued yesterday with head of recruitment, Scott Fulton, being shown the door. It's interesting because we had Shane Richardson on breakfast last week when um, Jimmy Smith was in the chair, and um, this is what he had to say. Yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll change a fair few things. We already have, and, and over the next week we'll change other things as well, which will, which will come out. But um, new signings and a few other things. But at the end, with staff, and at the end of the day, it's a, um, you know, uh, it's a transition. I, I'm excited about the squad. It's probably not as balanced as we would like it. I'm not surprised by Scott Fulton's departure at all, yeah. um, because I think the former management erred by hiring Scott Fulton, not because it's Scott Fulton, because they did it without the knowledge of the head coach. Yeah, okay. Benji Marshall's the head coach. Benji Marshall should have a say, a relationship, a great working relationship with his head of football. That's got to be your your well, your head of recruitment. That's got to be your right-hand man. And the fact that Benji was blindsided by it um, and, you know, the, the, the former management just thought they could get along and put their differences aside, well, it never happened. Yeah. They were at loggerheads for months. And... This decision had to be made because um, Benji Marshall is that future. They, they've put all their eggs into into Benji Marshall. Shane Richardson, as a chief executive, is rug, is a rugby league chief executive. You know, we've got some chief executives that have that are that are businessmen rather than football. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, head. So that's why some clubs need a strong head of footy because the CEO focuses solely on the business side. Shane Richardson knows what it's like to build a club. He knows what it's like to build a roster. He doesn't need a head of recruitment there because he can do that. He can wear that all, all, all on his shoulders because he's done it for, for decades now. Um, so um, the Scott Fulton, this is nothing against Scott Fulton, but he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place without Benji Marshall's um, say-so because they've been, you know, Scott Fulton wanted to sign Josh Schuster at a million dollars a season. Benji Marshall said no. Scott Fulton was instrumental in getting Samuela and Latu Fanu from Manly across yep. um, and Jaden Sullivan so from the Dragons. So the, the interesting thing to see will be what Scott Fulton leaves behind. He signed these two young kids in, in the uh, Latu and Samuela Fanu on big money. If they work out to be a success and uh, Latu is Jerome Luai's long-term halves partner, then the West Tigers should thank Scott Fulton for his service and say, appreciate it, well done. Things didn't work out. One thing about Scott Fulton, he's got a great eye for talent. And we look at that Manly side, he's identified a lot of those players that are in that Manly side now who are going to be really, really good first-grade players. So um, I think there's 
a lot to unpack in the West Tigers. I'm not surprised by that that decision. And as Shane Richardson said, there's going to be more to come. And as we said last week, Justin, Justin Ollum will be at the West Tigers for 2024. Yeah, there's lots to delve into. One of the texts that's come in from Michael, Tigers fans are on board with what Richo is doing. So it's not all piling on. It's, it's This could be a good news story. Uh, time now for a break. We're here for Brighton's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's lawyers. It is SEN's Brecky show this morning, and it's Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you. For those of you north of the border, a reminder that Maccas are proud sponsors of Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport across Queensland. And we've had plenty of texts coming through this morning. 0457 736 736 is the Edgewater Homes text line. Mick, what's happening on yeah, there? Yeah, this one's from 280. Have the Roosters and Uncle Nick had any, anything to do with the helicopter landing into Allianz with Warner being a Roosters <laughs> fan? Look, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but do you have any stories of when you were playing or experiences of, um, uh, you know, the way the other half live as professional athletes? Oh, I mean, the, there's probably lots of stories in the golden eras of, you know, 1950 through to 1990 where there wasn't speculation and phones videoing everything. <laughs> uh, but I mean, my one that springs to mind is how NBA players live. Yeah. Uh, hanging out with Joe Ingalls, his wife, Renee, um, much better athlete than Joe, yep. as is my wife, much yep. better athlete than me. Used to play netball for Australia together, um, which is how our mateship came about. Anyway, it was over while well, he was playing with the Utah Jazz and absolutely killing it um, when he first sort of got over there. The way that they walk into an arena, play a match, then they're in the locker room, just sort of, you know, high-fiving, put on their kit, walk out. Their cars are all parked in a line, doors open. Uh, you remember the TV show Entourage? Mm-hmm. Like, that was no tax. Yeah. That is like cars ready, keys in, on, aircon on. And then the days where they're actually going to the airport to fly, so they finish a game at 11 p.m. in Utah or Salt Lake City, they do that, drive straight onto the tarmac, chuck their keys to the team manager, who'd then go and park their cars at the airport straight on the jet to go to Portland or wherever. You know, like that's what Davey Warner's treatment is right now. A bit like playing great cricket. Yeah, a bit like playing great (laughs) cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Same treatment. (laughs) Uh, There's a few more coming in here, mate. Um, As far as the cricket, it's, there's a lot of speculation around, you know, is it the right decision? But this one's interesting. Instead of having national players, in the BBL, which we've got this week, a nice mm. clean window. How about getting them to play shield cricket from James? What do you think? Like, do you, do, is your perce- What I mean by what do you think? Is your perception that national players don't play in the shield at all? Well, they, well, yeah. Do they play shield cricket? So the answer yeah. is if there's no national duties, mm. they all play. But when, yeah. But, but if they're away at the World Cup that's just happened, then they're at a World Cup. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But when do they play? When do they have an opportunity to play shield cricket? So like Nathan Lyon, for example, normally plays every a, game leading into yeah, the summer. Yeah, because he's a Red Bull specialist, right? If you play yeah. two to three formats, you, do you play shield cricket? You have little opportunity, mm-hmm. but there's generally always a window for at least one, if not two games leading in. And it's just a workload thing if yeah. they're able to or not. How important was it as a, as a young guy coming through to see those guys or play against those guys? It, it was important um, in terms of the context of the Sheffield Shield being the greatest competition around the world mm. underneath international cricket. And even for the young players that we're talking about, like Cameron Greens of the world, 
to be exposed to test level play. Yeah. And that's why we were so dominant for so many years um, and had all these guys averaging 50. And then when they played for Australia, like Mark Hussey at 31, they were able to just come in and average 50 at test yeah. level too. So I think that's why it's important, the integrity of the competition. Um, but anyway, uh, there's another one coming in here. Uh, morning, Trent and Michael. I'm a bit of a Renshaw fan, so I'd like to see him get given another chance. Smith isn't a long-term solution. Cheers, the big G. I don't know. I, I mean, Smith isn't a long-term solution, but, I mean, Cameron Bancroft is 31. Renshaw is probably the one that's the hybrid. Mm. He's 27, mm. I think. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's this is the scenario where they've said, you're in the squad. You're our identified person whenever a spot comes up anywhere, but likely a progression plan post Uzi. Yeah, it's interesting. How long do we have? I know it's hard to speculate, but on Uzi, who's the same age as David Warner, and then you've got mm. Steve Smith, who's just a little bit younger. But what, you know, do we have 12, 24, three years? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, you get to this phase where you think Usman three years ago, thought he was done at yeah. test level. He's probably retired now and doing other things. So it's very hard to know. And whilst this test team in particular is so dominant and enjoying things, and then you get eight months down the line, you got the lure of India coming and playing at home. It's going to be very hard for someone to hang them up before that. And then you go, well, next year's an ashes. Mm. It'd be unreal to go out on an ashes yeah. win. So uh, the lures are there in terms of significance around the world. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. Summer breakfast here on SEN. We're filling in the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. It's Michael Karianis and Trent Copeland with you. The 10th of January. What's on, happened on this day? There's a bit of trivia here. Plenty, Copes. And New Zealand's first great game of cr test cricket is held in Christchurch in 1930. Englishman wow. Morris Allum takes a hat-trick. Jeez, that's a start. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what about the Sopranos? Were you a Sopranos fan? No, I mean, I'm well aware of it, but I, I you didn't You haven't watch watched it? it? Oh, not religiously. Like, I, I wouldn't have watched all of it, no. Oh, it's such a... It's it one of the few shows... You mentioned one earlier, Entourage. Yeah. And Sopranos, it's one of the few shows that I can go back and watch again. Yeah, okay. Um, big show. A uh, big fan of the Sopranos. So this debuted on this day in 1999. Wow. And it hasn't aged. So you could watch it and go... I watched it recently, made my wife sit through it. She wasn't a huge fan. <laughs> but um, There's a little insight to you at home. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Prince Harry's book, Spare, went on sale on this day last year. Remember the hoo-ha around that? Yes. And we've got a few birthdays. Okay. Rod Stewart, 79. Dylan Edwards, 28. Cody Walker, 34. And Chad Townsend is 33. Happy birthday to those three key players in their sides. Look at you go. Look at running the birthday game. I was saying yesterday with Jaleesa, I am the worst birthday game player. Average about 10 off, <laughs> double figures off. But uh, there you go. There's a few birthdays there. A couple of current footy players as well. No doubt working hard in their off season. Uh, good fun. Always. Hey, fitness, fitness is great fun. We're mm. going to talk wellness Wednesday shortly as well. We've got a few tips for you. Time now for a break.